Welcome to Culture Eats Strategy. Eats Strategy. With your host, entrepreneur Jamie J. Jamie J. On this podcast, we unpack the most powerful, intangible culture. Culture. Culture is way more than a mission statement or words on a wall. It's how a company behaves. It's what informs every decision, action, and reaction. Culture is the invisible hand, the true north that guides every organization. And if you create a legendary culture, you will build a legendary company. A legendary company. Now, here he is, Jamie J. Jamie J. All right, we're back. Another episode with CES, hashtag CES, Culture Eats Strategy. Um, and uh, hope you're liking it so far. I sure am enjoying all the conversations that I'm having with unbelievable guests, including one of my good, no, one of my great friends, I'll say, David Schreiner Khan today. I've known David for quite a while, yeah, several years now. And we, we also do the three-day MBA together. And he's just an amazing person. And I couldn't think of uh, any other show uh, that I've had where we'll be able to explore uh, a conversation about culture with someone that I know really, really well. And so it's an uh, honor and a privilege to introduce you to Mr. David Schreiner Khan. How are you, sir? Oh, Jamie, it's great to be on. Thank you so much for having me as a guest. Oh my gosh, you're, you're welcome. In case none of you know David, uh, let me just real quick give you a recap. He's a recognized authority on entrepreneurship, leadership development, and the host of a business podcast called Smashing the Plateau. He's been featured in Forbes and Inc. Magazine. He has over 400 episodes of Smashing the Plateau, where he offers a wealth of personal experiences and practical advice about achieving business breakthroughs. And you can go learn more by going to smashingtheplateau.com. And of course, I'll share all the links to his social media and everything in the show notes. But without any further ado, welcome, David. How's everything? Thanks, Jamie. Thanks. <laughs> it's great. Well, I wonder if maybe we could just start off with a little kind of overview and tell us a little bit more about um, maybe what culture means to you. And for me, uh, I, I, I don't want it to be totally business. Can, it, can in culture be in your personal life too? Yeah, culture is everywhere. Listen, a family has a culture. One of, the, one of the things that I see as being really challenging for newlyweds is that they each come from their own family culture, and now they're creating a new family culture together right? Even before they have kids, they're creating their own dynamic and their own culture. So true. You, you kind of have some experience with that. <laughs> um, yes. Having two kids, both of whom have got married within the last couple of years. Yes. And it's, um, it's fascinating to watch. <laughs> what are some of the parallels you've seen through this family dynamic and a business dynamic? Well, culture is all about how things work and how people actually behave on a day-to-day -day basis. Mm. Um, and, and it's true with families too. So um, communication is a big one. And that's what causes a lot of challenges for couples. They, um, you know, couples that, that come from families that communicate a lot and then they, if, you know, one, one, of them, one spouse marries another spouse that comes from a family where there's not a lot of direct communication, that could take a while to work out. Like, um, 
Uh, like I know some families where certain things just aren't talked about. Mm. Um, you know, so, some families don't talk about money or they don't talk about sex or they don't talk about, um, they don't, they don't talk about activities that each of them may have had outside the family during the course of the day. Mm. Mm. And, and then there are other families where there it's like no holds barred. They talk about everything. Um, I, got, I know of a, of, a, of a podcast that got started around the issue of a mother and daughter sharing um, like dozens and dozens of instant messages with each other and of a very personal nature all day long, every single day. And then they created this advice podcast. Oh. So do you think culture is location centric? Not at all. Not at all. As a matter of fact, look, you, you and I, um, we work together we host a show together. We're not in the same location. Have we created a culture around three-day MBA about what we talk about with each other, what we talk about with guests, what we're trying to achieve, how we're trying to achieve it? I would say the answer is yes. Mm. Mm. Yeah. What do you think? I, I, so culture is culture. I, I, I get that. And I think it's behavior, but I think cultures, or I should say not but, but and I think cultures vary dependent upon locations. I think locations bring up different dynamics within a culture. So the culture is there. Maybe I've asked the wrong question. Maybe it should be, um, what are some things that, oh, okay, I have a good one. Mm -hmm. When you travel and you experience a new culture, you hear about that immerse yourself in that culture or immerse yourself in that language or something like that. What is it that you see when you travel to a different location with regards to, um, we're kind of talking family, so personal kind of culture. What, what is it that you kind of see right off the bat? Um, yeah, so I'm from New York and, and um, New Yorkers are known for being um, fast, being blunt, and um, when I'm with people from the Midwest, particularly from the Midwest in the Midwest, it seems like there's, there's a lot of communication that happens with subtext as opposed to being direct, mm -hmm. right? So like if, um, if I hurt somebody's feelings in New York, they're likely to tell me straight out, why did you say that? You know, you, you made me feel embarrassed, shamed, guilty. Whereas if, if that happens in the Midwest, it's more likely um, if I say something that, um, that might embarrass somebody, they might not come out directly and tell me. They might, um, there might be something that, that's a little bit of backbiting as opposed to just telling me how they feel. Yeah. I can understand because at the time they don't want to offend, but right. it, it may come back around you know, at a later time when they finally just boils over. <laughs> right. And I would just rather just get it all out on the table and be done with it. Hey, this, this is how I feel. <laughs> I, you, know, you know, what's funny is 
I, I like that there's a parallel between business and personal or yeah, personal in, in that business should be, in my opinion, conducted in the same way. And it could be based on your cultural values that, or your core values that were brought up within a culture in the environment. And it could be location specific wherein, you know, the people that you want to surround yourself with are maybe more people that get you and understand you from a more direct perspective. Whereas with someone maybe like a Midwesterner, perhaps like me, <laughs> um, I, I, I feel maybe sometimes uncomfortable being so direct. Right. So I'll give, you, I'll give you a perfect example in the workplace. So I, I think it's really important in the workplace if um, whether you're a supervisor or you're being supervised, I think if, if um, another member of your team does something that you think is having a negative impact, I think you should say something as opposed to letting it fester. And I can't tell you how many times, particularly when it comes to supervisors and employees, I, th I see supervisors not calling an employee out on something where they think the employee has done something that is um, either not helpful or could have a negative impact on the business or could have a negative impact on teammates. Um, I think you, I think you need to let people know if you, as a supervisor, you think there's, there's something that could be improved. I wholeheartedly agree. And I think that's part of um, setting up your systems and processes in place. So there is um room for them to be their own person and do what they want to do and be creative and, and, you know, kind of have, you know, some empowerment to let them go in a certain area on their own. But at certain times there needs to be processes in place, in my opinion, to say, Hey, you've stepped out of bounds. Um, yeah. The process is really important because it forces you to have that conversation. It's like, if you have a process of get, of gaining customer feedback, and every time you have a significant interaction with a customer, it gets followed up with a request for feedback from the, um, from the vendor. That process forces you to, um, to both ask for feedback and then um, you have an obligation, I think, to recognize the feedback and then act as a result. Conflict resolution? Yeah, what about conflict resolution? Most, most of the time, I don't think it gets resolved. <laughs> exactly. And that, I think, is a big problem in today. Sometimes people, in my opinion, if they don't speak up, that festers. And, and whether it's personal life or work, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. That's why I really appreciate you coming from a place of, of being direct, right? I always know where I stand with you. Like, there's no doubt in my mind that if you feel something, you're going to let me know. Uh, good, I hope I do, yeah. Good, bad, or indifferent, it makes me a better person, I think. And I always know where I I'm very comfortable that way. 
On the other hand, if I might feel comfortable, it was something that was maybe going to make you feel bad, or I'm thinking that it's going to make you feel bad. So what are some good tips or strategies you have? Because you work a lot with, with business owners, right? Right. And build their business and stuff like business that. Business owners, groups, teams. Yeah, it, there's, there's conflicts all the time. I mean, I'll give you, I'll give you a great example. Um, this Perfect. was um, when uh, I was a member of BNI for a number of years, you know, which is a, a, a pretty widely known business network. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the things that I discovered when I was on the leadership team is that a huge amount of the time I, that I spent working with, with our members was conflict resolution because you had members who um, maybe thought that they were in competition with one another or, um, you know, somebody said something that offended somebody else. Um, One person thought another member wasn't abiding by the rules and, and needed to be reprimanded or perhaps kicked out of the, of the group. And I was spending a lot of my time dealing with those kinds of issues. Yeah. Were you able to see different personalities come out in that and know how to address them based on their personality? Yeah, they weren't always, we couldn't always resolve it. Like they were, I remember there were two members that couldn't stand each other and we just had to make sure they didn't sit next to each other at a meeting. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it was it was that basic. I heard something the other day. Uh, that I was speaking with Gabe Arnold, and he said something about this. Where, if if somebody says something, um, he actually came back with two. It, they said something that you know maybe they were upset about something, or they didn't you know they didn't agree with something that happened. And he came back and he says, "Well, okay, I understand. I'm here uh, as a sounding board for you. Um, let me know." Uh, would you like me to respond um, and give you some insight or would you rather just have me be a sounding board for you? And I thought, man, that's, that's brilliant. Yeah. That, that is very brilliant. That just gives you a chance to kind of, you know, maybe some, maybe someone just needs to vent and they don't want to hear anything right now. <laughs> right. And maybe that helps get stuff off their chest, off their shoulders, knowing that, they don't have to worry about us saying, well, this is what you should do, or, well, this is how you, right? They don't need that. But if you ask their permission, would you like me to give you my point of view on this? If they say no, you're good with it. If they say yes, then you can give them your point of view. And at least this, this way they have a, I think that's a really good way um, about resolving <laughs> the conflict uh, by actively listening. Right. It also st- establishes the ground rules for the conversation. Mm. It sure does. Yeah. Yeah, because you're right. A lot of people, all they want to do is vent and feel like they're heard. They don't want any feedback. They don't want any advice. They don't want any opinions. (laughs) They just want to go. And there is a certain time and place for that, but there's also a certain time and place for saying, okay, well, now that's enough. (laughs) You know, and and, and how how do you know when enough is enough? That's a good question. Um. If you're face to face, you can often read it with body language and you can, you can just ask, you know, um, am I giving you too much feedback? Um, how do you feel based on what I've heard? Do you want to hear more? 
Is, is there a way to process out complaining? Or is there, is there a different word for complaining versus, hey, I've got a legitimate gripe. Let's hear about it. Is there a way to process, okay, that's just gone on too long? Um, yeah, you might want to actually interview a therapist about that. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, I would say, yes, there is. Yeah. How does that work for you? With, with, your, with you being you know, a direct person, it, are you okay with listening to people and listening to them? And not giving say, them any advice or feedback? Yeah, and just kind of saying, okay, I'll, I'll, just, I'll just listen to this one out. Um, yeah, generally, actually, what I, what I will do is if somebody is venting or complaining is I will, I will listen first and, and sort of try to get a sense as to whether they're venting just for the sake of venting or whether they want feedback. Mm. Uh, and I can tell you, I've gone through this with family members where their process of, of um, kind of working through in their own minds how they're going to resolve something is by venting. And it's not that they want feedback. It's that they just want to be able to talk about it to somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. It's, it's definitely, it's a definitely something, it's a, it's a kind of a unique way of looking at conflict or something like I think if you can approach uh, maybe uncomfortable situations as a leader or as a, you know, the uh, leader in the family, doesn't matter, business or family. Um, if you approach in, in, in this mindset, I think that's going to help to avoid a lot of conflict just right off the bat. Yeah, there, there is one, um, one technique I use, which you might call a process, Jamie. Um, particularly for people that seem to be working through a challenging situation and trying to resolve what kind of strategy to use going forward, um, which is rather than my giving any kind of response in the form of advice or feedback, I will try to form questions that will help lead the the other person down a path that will help them realize um, where they're most comfortable moving forward mm. and trying to resolve the challenge. Is that process called the Jedi mind trick? I have no idea. Oh. It's speaking of culture. Um, it's not not a, not a part of popular culture that I, that I follow much. I know enough about the reference to know what you're talking about, but that's about as far as it goes. Um, well, well, if if I can segue, because what what exactly do you do in your business? In uh, yeah, so so in in uh, in our business, we um, we help clients generate greater success. And specifically right now we're focused on helping solopreneur experts build consistent, stable revenue. That seems to be a big pain point. Mm -hmm. um, and generally our clients are people that have been in their field for a long time. Um, do you help coach culture at all or introduce that in any way, shape or form uh, through these, 
uh, helping them create recurring revenue? Uh, yeah, I don't know that we necessarily label it culture, mm-hmm. but we certainly um, guide guide our clients to help their clients um, if, if their clients are are groups or organizations yeah. where where culture is really important, then then yes, we will help them. Uh, focus on what, whatever their specific expertise is, help them drive a positive culture that can be, be helpful for the, um, helpful, helpful for their clients. Maybe messaging would be a better term. Messaging and communication very often is the, the tool for, strengthening culture mm-hmm. especially in today's world where so many people interact virtually yeah or or digitally that communication is really important yeah 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 it's interesting because it's a like you say culture is everywhere culture is everything and i think no matter what what you're working on whether you're a solopreneur trying to change a business model or uh, adapt to a different type of model there it's you're talking to a certain demographic and I think if your messaging isn't clear, if your processes aren't clear, um, it's really hard to get your culture clear and understanding because if you don't understand, you know, and embrace where it is that you came up with and, and realize those values that you were, that you've grown up with, um, how in the heck are you going to be able to relate with anybody else? Um, and it's, it's easy to relate if you grow up in a different area and there's different, you know, uh, different holidays or different seasons or different religions or whatever that may be. But if you're not, if you don't have a solid belief in your own culture, your own message, your own system, it's really hard to do anything. Uh, You can change all the business models you want (laughs) from charging one-off type services to, a uh, recurring, uh, recurring model. But if you're not talking to the people that you want to align yourself with that share a similar belief system, um, then you're going to have a really hard struggle with it. Yeah, which is why um, companies should always hire for culture. They should hire mm. for cultural fit. Oh right? There, there are a lot, you can, you can train people technically, but you can't train culture. Culture is, is um, what people... The way people act, it's what they don't talk about. It's their behaviors, yeah, yeah, like you said. Exactly. Yeah, that's fantastic. Well, how do people get in touch with you to learn more about? Uh, well, the easiest way is, yeah, the easiest way is to go to our, uh, our website, smashingtheplateau.com, which is where all of our podcast episodes, episodes are. Um, they're, um, there's a button on our, on our homepage to schedule time to speak with me. Uh, our contact information is there. That's the best place, smashingtheplateau.com. I'm also personally active on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter. You had briefly touched about this earlier. Where is your ideal client? Where are they in their life journey right now? Um, they tend to be sort of mid-career, mid or maybe mid to late career. 
So most commonly, it's people between the ages of about 45 and 60, 65. So they've, you know, they've been in the working world generally for 20 years or more. Uh, whether or not they've been an entrepreneur for that whole time is not as relevant as the fact that they realize that success is a long game. Mm. Uh, there, are lot, there are a lot of ups and downs along the way. It's not a linear process. That it's, um, you know, we, we know what we know, we know what we don't know, which is what our plans are all based on. And it's what we don't know that we don't know that really knocks us for a loop. So, the, you know, people like that realize that, uh, you know, I have particular skills and experiences that are valuable in the work that I do and with the people that I work with. Um, and there are things I don't know and where um, I need to find collaborators, um, teammates, uh, mentors, advice, help to supplement what I'm good at so that I can create greater success. That's fantastic. Well, before we wrap up, is there anything else you would like to say um, before we leave about uh, what you have coming up? Anything else? Any, any news or just your thoughts on culture? Um, I would say just remember ideas are a dime a dozen. Implementation is priceless. Oh, I love it. I love it. Well, David, thank you so much I, uh, for stopping by. I appreciate it. It's always good. <laughs> thank you, Jamie. <laughs> You're the man. Well, this is Jamie J, your host of Culture Each Strategy. I hope you enjoy listening to the show, uh, to the podcast. We have a lot of fun here. And uh, David is the man. Please reach out to him. Uh, again, I will leave all of his information in the show notes. And we're going to try and share the living daylights out of this. If you like what you're hearing here in Culture Each Strategy, please go over to iTunes and leave a rating and review. If you don't like what you hear here on Culture Eat Strategy, please go over to iTunes and leave a rating and review. I want to hear whether you like it, whether you don't, what I can do to improve, or just email me, info at bottleneck.online. And you can go check us out at culture.bottleneck.online, or you can just Google Culture Eat Strategy with Jamie J, and uh, we'll pop up. We're all over the place. Thanks so much for tuning in again. I'm Jamie J, your host of Culture Strategy, and this has been an incredible conversation with the one and only David Schreiner Khan of smashingtheplateau.com. Thanks so much for tuning in. We'll talk to you soon.